And we are back. And to kick it off, here's an opening line of a book called The Hard Way. Jack Reacher ordered espresso, double, no peel, no cube, foam cup, no china. And before it arrived, he saw a man's life change forever. Hard Way is a book by an author called Lee Child, where the central character or the star is Jack Reacher, a retired military investigator. And a lot of people would have seen him on screen, played by Tom Cruise in a couple of movies, which I absolutely detested. And more recently, in a web series on Amazon Prime, uh, played by Alan Richson, which I thought was far more closer to the character. But if that gets you interested, it is with great pleasure I want to share that this episode is going to be all about detectives, investigators, crime, privatized from the wonderful world of thrillers and crime fiction. We will chat about Conan Doyle, Hercule Poirot. We'll flit between books and movies seamlessly and talk about modern-day stalwarts like Benoit Blanc while focusing on some new masters in the art of detection, a few new faces, a few new detectives like Maharaja Sikandar Singh and more. We will, of course, have our regular sections, our regular sections like cute words and phrases, believe it or not, bare naked lies. And it gives me great pleasure to bring back to this podcast our resident crime fighter, Joy Bhattacharya. I'm Ratin Basu, and welcome to a world of crime and detection in fact of the matter. So Joy, welcome back. It's been a while. I know we have been receiving a lot of emails from people saying what happened, why the delay. Um, we know you've been busy, not in a world of crime, but around the world of volleyball, cricket, and quite a few other things which you know you always seem to be mixed up with, if I can use some crime terminology. How have you been? What's up? I've been very, very good. Uh, as I said, that uh, yeah, it's very difficult. Suddenly, when you when you talk about spikes, instead of thinking about people being spiked to death or killed by an ice pick, I think of smashes in volleyball. So it's a bit confusing for me. Uh, but give me a bit of time, and I, I just love, absolutely love crime fiction detection. So yeah, I'm delighted to. This is the perfect show, you know, for me to enjoy. That's brilliant. So without wasting any more time, our first section is always called main course since we are always, you know, both of us are big foodies. And in main course, we will, you know, without wasting any time, deep dive straight into the world of crime and the world of detective fiction. Joy, why don't you kick it off with us? What do you have for us today? Oh, well, you know, I, detective fiction, where do you start from? You cannot start beyond Arthur Conan Doyle. Arthur Conan Doyle is the doyen of, of detective fiction. Sherlock Holmes is what really changed our lives. But one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that Arthur Conan Doyle himself has done some detection and his most famous case involved a man of Indian origin. In 1906, a man named George Edelji, he was sentenced for the crime of animal cruelty. Apparently, he injured horses and cattle in rural England and, you know, and writing threatening letters to women as well. And he basically, they said that, you know, remember the crime in Silver Blaze where a horse yeah. is going to be attacked and race horses are going to be maimed. Mm -hmm. And he was accused of just that. And he wrote to Sherlock Holmes and said, I'm innocent. And Arthur Conan Doyle, actually at that point, he just lost his wife, he was grieving. But he said that, you know, this guy, just because in Indian, he could be targeted. 
and there was a certain amount of racial discrimination. So he kept writing letters and he proved a few things as well. He said, you know, George Adelji, he holds his newspaper very close to his face. So he's probably nearsighted. How can a nearsighted man go into the middle of the forest or the middle of the, in a pasture in the middle of the night and right. injure horses or cattle? It's very difficult. So finally, Edelji was actually allowed to practice again. Of course, they asked for an apology. That didn't happen, but that much was done. And that perhaps is one of the most famous cases that Arthur Conan Doyle and not Sherlock Holmes is fought. And I was amazed to know that he'd actually done this himself. Unbelievable. And this George Edelji was definitely the only two Edelgis I know is one is Dorabji Edelji Gimi, who was the headmaster for Mahatma Gandhi when he was in Porbandar as a student, as a child. And the second is Diana Edelji, who was one of India's finest women cricket captains. So you are absolutely sure neither of them are linked to George Edelji, right? <laughs> it could be. It's Edelji, I think, would be Parsi. So it would be a yeah. pretty, pretty, it may not be that large a community, quite brilliant. possibly. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so le let me give you my first story. And this is something which I found very interesting. This is around a movie called Knives Out, which came a few years back now, which revolved around the mysterious death of prominent writer Harlan Thrombey, played by Christopher Plummer, the, you know, the man who goes back to Sound of Music and the Von Trapp family, and his extended family, all of whom are suspected at one point or another of being behind his sudden death. This film, of course, starred uh, mass big Hollywood heavyweights like Daniel Craig, Anna DeArmas, who you later saw in No Time to Die, along with Daniel Craig uh, in, a, in a bit role, and uh, Chris Evans. And Detective Benoit Blanc gets summoned to the home of this wealthy author, and then he forms a bond with the nurse Marta, played by Anna, and then he gets investigating into that eccentric family to uncover the killer. But the story is that the director, in one of his interviews, Rian Johnson, he revealed that um, there is a new way to tell in a movie who the bad guy is, Joy, by simply checking what kind of phone they are using. And this is very interesting. So in a scene breakdown, this Oscar-nominated writer-director revealed that Apple apparently is extremely mindful about how its products are portrayed in movies and TV shows. So he said that Apple lets you use iPhones in movies, but if you're ever watching a mystery movie, bad guys cannot have iPhones on camera. Every single filmmaker that has a bad guy. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and he said that every single filmmaker that has a bad guy in their movie that's supposed to be a secret will want to murder me right now so rightly. So he also <laughs> gave an example that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, she was, uh, again, one of my all-time favorites. You remember True Lies with uh, Arnold yeah, Schwarzenegger? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, no, Arnold exactly. Schwarzenegger, and, absolutely. And uh, so that her character is using an iPhone in the scene he's talking about. And therefore... After you know this, you know that she can't be the villain in the story, at least in the main one, as in she's not the murderer. So imagine that in the future, if you are watching a, a sort of a whodunit and there are six suspects and five of them have iPhones, you know who the murderer is. So I thought that was fantastic. The, the other quick trivia which I wanted to say is uh, uh, when, I, when I was researching about this, I read about Mr. Christopher Plummerjoy, who incredibly... Um, starred in this murder mystery. And then, you know, this was penultimate screen credit before his death in February 2021. His career spanned seven decades, Joy, 70 years, and uh, roles from Shakespeare to science fiction. However, his most famous role is arguably Captain Von Trapp in Sound of Music, a movie he apparently didn't like. He called Sound of Music the sound of mucus or SNM. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
And apparently, he's also played Sherlock Holmes in movie called Murder by Decree. So there's that connection to. I've actually seen it, and yeah, no. Uh, How was thanks, he? Thanks, that's an amazing How was he as a as a Sherlock. It's it's a lot of. I mean, Murder by Decree is more of a sort of a comedy rather than a straight to thing, but it was it was fun. I mean, and and uh, Christopher Plummer is always tongue in cheek. You know, even if you see him sound of music, he's tongue in cheek. But you know, we are talking about it. I was just thinking about Conan Doyle's amazing impact. So Sherlock Holmes appears in British propaganda videos in the Second World War. Okay, okay. one of his stories was required reading for soldiers in the Soviet Army. Okay, wow. Britain's wartime spy agency set up shop where. On Baker Street, they used to call themselves the Baker Street Irregulars, which ah, you know, of course, of course, is one of the the organization of Baker of Sherlock Holmes lovers. Okay. And one of two films found in Hitler's bunker was The Hound of the Baskervilles. So even Hitler has seen The Hound of the Baskervilles. It's absolutely amazing how much impact Sherlock Holmes has had overall. You know, it, it's his impact on. Contemporary fiction, contemporary detective fiction is absolutely, totally unbelievable. And and tell me uh, something: if his name does come from Mordecai Sherlock and Oliver Wendell Holmes, right? The sort of a that's right. To, that's uh, right. I mean, sheep. He was a Doyle was a doctor, so one of the things he wanted to do was, you know, given in sort of hat tip to Oliver Wendell Holmes. And Oliver Wendell Holmes has invested a word that a lot of us have used now. Anesthesia, the word anesthesia is invented or coined by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Okay, I'm going to go one slight more detour towards my other favorite detective, and that yep. is Hercule who can Poirot. it be? Hercule Poirot, as you so rightly Hercule. said, I can never get the pronunciation right. But uh, the most amazing thing was I was thinking about one of her, Agatha Christie's most famous works, which is, of course, The Murder of Roger Ockroyd. The interesting part about it is one of the people. Christie credited with inspiring the story is actually Lord Mountbatten because Lord Mountbatten actually wrote a letter okay. which actually contained the suggestion towards what the big twist in the novel is. I'm not going to be a spoiler, but if you read the novel, the big twist of what comes in the end, one of the inspirations was a letter written by Lord Mountbatten. The other interesting thing about it is that in that murder of Roger Ackroyd, there was a character, Ackroyd. I'm not going to get it right all of today. But one of the characters, Caroline Shepherd, yep. was one of the side characters. And what happens is that Agatha Christie had so much fun writing that, that she said, I want to write about a spinster who's always curious. And she goes and creates Jane Marple. Jane so Roger, Marple. murder of Roger Ackroyd also inspired wow. Jane Marple's creation. So I thought that was absolutely fantastic. You have hit upon... Sherlock Holmes, you know, some incredible nuggets. You have talked about Hercule Poirot and Agatha Christie. I want to tell you that, you know, now moving away from the regulars, we've spoken about Benoit Blanc as well in Knives Out. Before I go into what my main story is, and I'm going to go focus on a few new Indian detectives who have come about, I just wanted to touch base on two or three of, you know, others. A lot of them, in fact, I know you are also a big fan. One is Marcus Didius Falco. I mean, detective yeah, I love in ancient him. Rome. And believe you me, Joy, we could probably do a full episode on Marcus Didius Falco and how, you know, how he used to solve. And, and you know, listeners, this is a, you can, you, can, you can read the books. This is a guy who actually operated as a detective in ancient Rome with the emperor around with all the intrigue, all the court craft, all the infighting and so on and so forth. And another big, a couple of such crazy detectives, Joy, anybody, and any other such name you come? What about Umberto Eco in Name of the Rose? That yeah. guy who was a 
father, right? The yeah, yeah, absolutely. Detective. The name of the rose, definitely. And of course, Catfail. Catfail is a character created by Ellis Peter. And uh, that's a Catfail is also fantastic. You know, basically medieval England and monasteries and kings and church politics. And there, that's also really, really, it's a riveting work. And, you know, otherwise, if you say, you know, Friar William of Baskerville, and I just yeah. love the thing that in Name of the Rose, the name had to be Friar William of Baskerville. William Baskerville. So somewhere, you know, even Umberto Echo is playing... Yeah. Some sort of a distinct. Do you too. remember Joy? Uh, uh, again, I'm not going to make this sound like we are really old. We are, but not yet ancient. Um, in the 80s and 90s, in, in our days of early television and probably before cable television came in, do you remember uh, every Sunday there used to be a German yeah, yeah. Wolf, called Wolf, the Wolf, Old Wolf. Fox, which was also... Fox, not one Fox. Yeah, it was Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I've seen... The Old Fox and he was... Uh, it was called Der Alter or something that, that from Transtel. I think it yeah. was a... It was sort of a um, a deal where Doodarshan used to get some content from Germany. Uh, and I remember we used to stay up and wait for it every Sunday. It used to come at 11 o'clock in the afternoon, I remember, just before lunch. And it used to be, you know, brilliant to watch. Very um, Inspector Maigre sort of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of, you know, yeah, yeah. Non-glamorous heroes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a, a lot of countryside, a lot of cars and, you know, people going into big country houses and, and solving these crazy murders in a very quiet and efficient way. But... Anyway, talking of quiet and efficient and country houses and, and, and rural countryside, I want to shift the focus to India. Now I'm going to talk about um, three authors and their creations and their masterpieces. The first, Joy, is an author called Arjun Raj Gand, who's, again, one of my favorites, critically acclaimed historical mystery series, The Maharaja Mysteries, set against the picturesque backdrop of princely India. And I'm reading out you know, from a very nice article during the heyday of the British Raj. There have been three books so far. The first was called A Very Pucka Murder. The second was called Death at the Darbar, which is the Great Darbar. And the third is called The Missing Mem Sahib. Okay. Arjun Raj Gand is also author of several comic books and graphic novels. But this, The Maharaja Mysteries, is focused on a guy called Maharaja Sikandar Singh. And he's referred to His Highness Farzan the Khasi Dalat the Englishia, Mansuri Zaman, Maharaja Sikandar Singh, Light of Heaven, Sword of Justice, Shield of the Faithful, and the sole ruler of Rajpur. This is the start. And, you know, he is a Maharaja. He's a man of rigorous habits, quite eccentric, has a valet called, or a massive manservant called Charan Singh. He has his own silver ghost. He has a love-hate relationship with the British. And this is, I'm talking almost around the 1909 New Year's Ball. And without, you know, giving away what it is, this is a very interesting new author, a new detective who comes and solves mysteries from the perch of a Maharaja. And he's, he's basically very, very excited. That's my first uh, shout out. The yeah, then, then if you've got to say one, before you come into the second one, I have to tell you that, you know, if okay. you're talking about that period, just a little bit after him, have you read Abir Mukherjee at all. So Abir Mukherjee has written a book called, you know. He was my second author. Oh, though. wonderful. <laughs> Sam Windham. Oh, I love him. I absolutely Sam, love him. Sam Keep going. Windham, Sam Windham and Inspector Surrender Nath Banerjee, who was called Surrender Not by Sam Windham. Now, this is Abir Mukherjee. He's um, written quite a few. He's a Scottish Bengali author. 
and uh, you know, Sergeant Surendranath, Surendranath Banerjee, and Captain Sam Windham of the Calcutta Police. Now, all his novels are based in Calcutta, and in, and, and uh, the last one, Death in the East, I think, switches over to Assam. Brilliant, brilliant author. Lovely, lovely book. It's it's got you know classic locked room murders. It it brings in the the smell, the taste of Calcutta in the 1920s when uh, the spirit of, or the, or the, you know, the spirit of independence is having its first few kindlings, you know, if I may say. And you see this very, very complex relationship, not only between Wyndham and Banerjee, but also between Banerjee and his own family, who are quite pissed that he's working for uh, the, you know, the British and the Calcutta police and how they explore this relationship with each other and solve very, very complicated uh, murders. So that was my second one, Joy. Uh, Abir Mukherjee, I think, is, has done a splendid job and I wish he writes more and more. He's moving on. He's going into the 1920s and 1930s, almost like uh, Downton Abbey style. But um, I, I hope that one day this has the wherewithal to become potentially a good web series. You know, I'm just looking forward to it. Calcutta yeah. in the 20s and 30s will be fascinating. Imagine. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, exactly. And and it's got um, Subhash Chandra Bose, are, you know, the regular uh, icons of the Indian freedom struggle. They keep appearing and disappearing here and there. You know, Raj Bihari is there as a lawyer and, and there's Subhash Chandra Bose also. He's a young whippersnapper whom the British is very, very worried about. And it's very nicely woven in and uh, a great, great author. The third one is far more modern, the third author, which I'm going to talk about. And uh, that's uh, Vaseem Khan, again, a British writer. He's the author of the Baby Ganesh Detective Agency novels. Now, a series of crime novels set in India, today's India, featuring retired Mumbai police inspector Ashwin Chopra and, for the first time, his sidekick, a baby elephant named Ganesh. Wow. <laughs> baby really, elephant. These are... Um, far more recent. He spent a decade, by the way, uh, even though he was born in London, um, in India, he spent, and then it inspired him to write The Unexpected Inheritance of Inspector Chopra. And then he was sub subsequently offered a four-book contract, etc. So the Baby Ganesh Detective Agency series is something which is also very, very interesting, worth reading. And, and there are many, many uh, interesting plots and subplots, one of which, a second novel, revolves around the theft of the world's most famous diamond, the Kohinoor. And, uh, you know, the crown jewels are brought to India for a special exhibition and a daring robbery sees the Kohinoor stolen and Chopra and Ganesh are called in. I don't know how, a, how would an elephant help if you are actually trying to do... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit flummoxed out here, but I'll take your word for it. It's uh, a bit, but, bit, bit... <laughs> yeah. By the way... Wasim in 2020 also published another series featuring India's first female police detective, lovely lady named Persis Wadia in the book Midnight at Malabar House. Again, a story I've seen, I've read that. In 1950. It's brilliant, brilliant. I mean, what I love about this is that a lot of these detectives, heroes, heroines, are now getting based on various timelines of modern India, if I might say so, Joy. Like from the 1920s yeah. straight up into the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. Each decade yeah, but, has a different flavor, right? Some is pre-independence, some yeah. is just after independence, and some are absolutely, you know, modern. Yeah, so, I mean, um, to be honest with you, if I look at, say, the Feluda novels, okay, mm -hmm. of Satyatre's Feluda series, which is for really written for young adults, but everyone in Bengal read them. Correct. But really, today, if you go back and revisit them, it's like revisiting your 70s and 80s. 
you're actually revisiting your 70s and 80s, you know, the power cuts and, you know, going to Puri on a holiday and stuff like that. I just want to finish this section by saying, you know, it's not even, I do a lot of work in cricket and I was fascinated to find out something which, you know, I didn't know at all. So Chandu Sarvate is this cricketer who's played for India and he was pretty, pretty decent cricketer, played nine test matches for India, played for Bombay, played for Holkar. Okay. Chandu Sarvate is well known, but what you probably don't know about him was that he was one of India's leading fingerprint experts. Oh, wow. Whenever there was a crime case he used to be brought to bear, Chandu Sarvate was regarded as one of the you know, leading people in detection, in crime detection, because his work on fingerprints is absolutely superb. So I said, yeah, there are many test figures now, but very few can say that they were fingerprint experts as well. This is this is fascinating. This is fascinating. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, you 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 start thinking about detectives and crime fiction, and you can go on and on. But we can't go on and on because we have a lot to cover, and so we want to um, end main course here today. Um, but before we move on to our next section. If you have any suggestions, any ideas, please always come back to us like we always say. Um, we, we love researching and trying to find out these nuggets. And when we have somebody like Joy, who will always come with the craziest and the zaniest of stories and trivia, it's, it's always great fun. Uh, but moving on swiftly and changing gears, Joy, we go into Believe It or Not. And I will start off because I have two incredible stories today. Two. And... Um, you know, my first story, oh, before that, sorry, I, I have to take one step back. The last bit, and I know you ended and we ended main course, but have you heard of a detective novel called Lal Salam, where SP, Special uh, Superintendent of Police Vikram Singh, arrives in a dusty little village of Ambuja in Chhattisgarh and, uh, you know, then gets involved in a new case, which, you know, is involved with Naxalism, an academic in Delhi, a young widow, her journalist friends, and it's inspired by the unfortunate killings of 76 CRPF personnel in Dantewada, which you remember in April 2010. Lal Salam, a paperback published in November 2021. I just wanted to end main course with this, so I'm coming back to it. Joy, do you know who the writer is? Lal Salam, uh, no, go for it. It's Smriti Zubin Irani. Ah, of course, Smriti Zubin Irani. Of course, she was at the Jaipur Lit Fest talking about this. Yes, That's yes, right. Absolutely. So again, again, somebody from the world of politics, somebody from the world of television, and then politics, and probably back into television again, trying a hand at uh, detective fiction. And uh, this is interesting. I mean, I haven't read it, but this is on my to-do list. But coming back to Believe It or Not and Crazy Stories, my first story. And so I have two stories, Joy. Two stories. One is comical and the other is quite emotional for me. And I think they deserve to feature in Believe It or Not because both in their own ways are quite crazy. The first comes from Bangladesh, Joy, your favorite country. And there is a channel called Nursing D24. And this is from a place called Nursing D in Brahmanbaria district of Bangladesh. So this local news channel was doing a special coverage of the Ukraine versus Russia conflict. And they had a live debate with people speaking for Ukraine and people speaking on behalf of Russia and why and what. But unfortunately, the live debate ended in both sides getting into a full and proper fisticuff fight and suffered enough cuts and bruises that they all needed basic hospital support. So this was the first instant of the Russia-Ukraine conflict spilling over <laughs> into another country if I may say so. So that was my first story. I've seen these pictures, Joy. They actually had a fight. 
people who none of whom I don't think have ever been to either Russia or Ukraine. So strong, I mean, people from Bangladesh always have very, very, you know, strong emotions running through them. But this was, I think, <laughs> special. That was the first one. But the second part, this was the comical story I had, believe it or not. The second part I had was slightly more emotional and something which really touched my heart, that my heart strings, if I can say, which is that uh, in Ukraine, as you know, a lot of relief work is happening. People are charitable organizations, individuals, people from the world of arts and literature and politics and, you know, men of sciences, anybody who has access to funds is trying to find out ways of reaching relief, uh, whether it's cash, food, clothing, etc., etc., to people uh, who are trapped, who are surrounded by troops inside war on Ukraine, as we speak, right? Every day. A very interesting story which I found, and I don't know whether you're aware of it, is a lot of people discovered that one way of sending cash because the borders are obviously very difficult to maneuver and go through, is to do Airbnb bookings for 15 days or 30 days in cities in Ukraine and actually not turn up. So the money goes through a digital route or whichever, whether it's PayPal or you're sending a money because Airbnb has very nice or very clear, you know, advanced payment mechanisms, right? That's how people do. So a lot of people went into Airbnbs and said, this is one channel we want to use. And they said, we have no intention of coming as in we would love to under normal circumstances, but at this point in time, of course, we can't come for a travel holiday, but you know what? We don't care. This money is for you. As you deem fit, use it to help people who are in distress, help them to get to a, a better place, a place which is not being shelled away from the war zone or leave the country if they want to or do whatever, get them to a train, bus, car, or give them food, water, shelter, medicine, et cetera, et cetera. I thought that was amazing. No, this is a terrific story. And I mean, look at people's ingenuity, the kind of things they use. So in fact, one of the things that I discovered was that, and this is now such a common trick that it's no longer used, yeah. that one of the ways a lot of people used to communicate uh, about five, 10 years back when you, especially uh, militants and all used to communicate by the chat rooms while playing a game. So if the two right. of you are playing a reality game together on the chat rooms of that, that's where you talk to each other. Now, apparently, this is so common that the CIA monitors all these rooms and you can not can no longer use these places for safe conversation. Correct. But since you've given me two such good believe it or nots, I'm not going to even try a believe it or not today. Instead, I am going to give you two cute words and phrases because I know that, you know, you've not done your homework on that and I'm just going to no, come I up have with you. I don't care I if you one. have one. Hang on. Okay, then I'll give you one. Then I'll give you one, you get one. Before you go into that, I think we will we will take a quick break, as we always do, and then we'll come back and do cute words and phrases and you can kick it off. But before we go into a break, as always, please write in to us at factofthematterindia at gmail.com. You can follow us on our website, which is anchor.fm factofthematter, or you can follow us, all our episodes, and listen to us in every single major streaming audio service or platform. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We are available on Amazon Music. We're available on Google Podcasts, Report, Stitcher, and so on and so forth. Write in, give us your suggestions, advice. Both bouquets and brickbats are equally welcome. And um, respond to our quiz questions as well going forward. With that, we'll get into a very quick break. And when we come back, we'll move straight into our next section, which is cute words and phrases.
So basically, I was looking at the origin of the word privatized. Okay. And you know, many things are inspired by logos are inspired by real life. This was a logo that inspired a phrase. So one of the most famous and earliest well-known detective agencies was the Pinkerton National Detective Agency in the United States of America. Of it was founded by Alan Pinkerton. And of course, you know, he started off, He there was a plot to kill Abraham Lincoln. He saved Abraham Lincoln. He was hired then. And from the Civil War onwards, he became bigger and bigger. Right up to the 20th century, Pinkerton was absolutely huge. Now their logo is a big, wide open eye with the caption, we never sleep. Right. And after that, all detectives began to be known as private eyes because, you know, you are the private eye who's coming and it comes from the Pinkerton Detective Agency. Interestingly, if you reach Conan Doyle's The Valley of Fear, yep. there's, it's actually based on a story about a Pinkerton detective who basically got into this organization called the Molly Maguires. Tell me something. One of my all-time favorite novels, Break Heart Pass by Alistair MacLean and, you know, Remember, we have to do Alistair MacLean special one day. Yeah, it's every every book of his is so special. But Breakheart Pass had you know a role played by Charles Bronson in a movie of John Stanton Deacon. He was a Pinkerton detective, right? In that, yeah, he was. He was. He was also a Pinkerton detective. If I'm, if I'm not, listening. I mean, did they mention it or not? I'm just trying to remember whether they specifically mentioned it or not. But. I think he definitely was. I, Either he was a US federal detective or a Pinkerton detective. Right, right. But I, I somehow it seems to strike a chord again. Fort Humboldt and and the no, he's he's a he's a he's a secret service agent. He's a US no, secret service, not Pinkerton. Service. But oh, remember, okay. in those days, a lot of Pinkerton detectives joined the US secret service. Right, fantastic. So okay, so this is my contribution then um, to what I have now in the early twentieth century. Joy, men wore heeled and laced up shoes and boots footwear that didn't allow its wearer to walk quietly. A fact that posed a huge multitude of problems for those whose jobs required covert missions, like detectives, for example. As a result, these detectives started wearing shoes or certain types of shoes which had rubber soles, right? And because of rubber, the soft soles let them sneak around quietly. Now, these soles were called gums, from which the word gumshoe as an informal synonym for plainclothes detective came from in the year 1906, from the words gum and shoe. I thought that was good one. In fact, gumshoe comes from there. The other word that we use very commonly for shoes like this is the word sneakers come from the same place, that you sneak around because your shoes are made of gum. Right. So you can sneak around without people listening to you. So sneakers, for what we call, Correct. comes from there again. The word keds is actually a brand name. There used to be a brand called Keds, which is why a lot of Indians still call those shoes Keds. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. So, okay. So, that's uh, cute words and phrases. For all of you, we move to our next competitive element in this episode, which is Bare Naked Lies, where Joy and I ask each other one question, the answer to which is either true or false, and we try to fool each other and win plaudits from the big wide world. I don't know whether it's a big wide world, but we definitely... Feel happy for at least 24 hours if you can beat the other. Joy, I'll kickstart this section Go asking you my bare naked lies question. Are you ready? Ready. Tell me. Merriam Webster, the Oxford English Dictionary, and The Guardian all credit Daniel Gordon, a book reviewer for the American News of Books, with creating this term in 1930 when, while writing a review about a standard murder mystery, half-mast murder, he deemed the story a satisfactory whodunit. 
which is the first instance of usage of the word whodunit to talk about, to explain a murder mystery. True or false? Dude, you've gone to a lot of trouble to tell me. That's what I'm thinking. You've gone to a lot of trouble to tell me, which I'm going to say true. I'm going to say true. And you're correct. It is absolutely true. I didn't change one single thing, Joy, in this question. <laughs> well done. Thank goodness. Well okay, but done. I like. I, I, I know it's a what nice piece of information. I was trying to sort of go into your mind and think. You'll think he's changed one bit, and I didn't. I I stayed true. Sorry, <laughs> it is who done it. That is the origin of the term who done it. So I was debating between this and gumshoe for my cute words and phrases. Fact. Yeah, facts. Anyways, what's yours? One nil. Good one. Good answer. Okay. Simple. The last novel published before Agatha Christie died was actually written 30 years before. So the last novel published before Agatha Christie died is called Curtain. Okay. Yeah. Was actually written 30 years before. True or false? I mean, I'm and I'm I'm not going to say that no, it was 29, not 30. It's not like that. So it's I'm saying around 30 years before. True or false? I go with true because I seem to remember it was it was unpublished for a long while and then it got published later. Curtain Poirot's last case or something like that. I'll go with true. Perfect. It is true. And the logic of it is very simple. See, Agatha Christie was not sure that she'll have the health to be able to write a book. So in the mid-1940s, right after the war, she wrote this novel right. saying that this will be Poirot's last case. And she tried her best to put in as little contemporary references. So you can't really tell when the book is placed, so that wow. there'll always be one book to publish to close the story of Hercule Poirot before the end. And that's why she could keep publishing, but this book was written in the late 40s and kept away. Wow, you can think about this lady. I mean, the kind of foresight she had, no wonder her plotting was so good. So good. It's absolutely brilliant plotting. I, mean, I would love to know what she used to have for breakfast every morning after waking up and then, you know, just start plotting and plotting and, and creating subplots and starting to write stories. Unbelievable. I mean, in today's day and age, Joy, you would think you need a hundred writer industry to sort of churn out detective novels the way Agatha Christie did. But uh, one all, thank you. I think uh, honours even, well which is a that good is way to come back in this episode since we've been away for <laughs> a bit. But we now have the special quiz question, which is for our audience. Uh, in our last episode, again, which was last month, your question was around the world of music. And <laughs> the correct answer, which I gave to you, was the song All You Need Is Love by John Lennon. And a lot of people with a lot of love. And in fact, uh, this was a Valentine's Day special. So I think that's that's the reason why you had gone for this. But I'll tell you, a lot of people gave a correct answer. Let's start with Saurabh Shukla, Agniva Chakravarti, Shiva Kumar Jairaman, Neeraj Dubey, Pranay Mishra, Rohit Jadav, and Anshuman Nandi. All You Need Is Love by John Lennon was the correct answer. So congratulations to all of you. And Joy, do you have a question for our viewers and our listeners, sorry, this week? Yeah, I have a question about... I want to ask this question because, you know, it's one of the things that I always fascinates me. We spoke about the Baker Street Regulars, which is yeah. the fans of Sherlock Holmes. Okay. Now, the Baker Street Regulars is obviously a society which has been put together. My question is, why does it always have 60 members. It's always meant to have 60 members. Six Why? zero. 60 members. Yeah. 
why do the Baker Street Irregulars always have 60 members if there isn't a great way to sign off an episode on crime, fiction, detectives, Sherlock Holmes, I can't think of another. So put on your thinking caps, uh, get away from your wordles and your crossword puzzles and try and give an answer to this. So if you know the answer, please write back to us at factofthematterindia at gmail.com. Um, once again, send us your thoughts, your reviews, your suggestions. You can go to our website, anchor.fm slash factofthematter. You can also um, listen to all our episodes on every audio streaming platform like Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Reports, Stitcher, and so on. We will come back very soon. And this time we promise we won't delay too much with another interesting and hopefully exciting episode of facts, news, fun, and trivia. Till then, from Joy Bhattacharya and me, Ratin Basu, goodbye and good luck.